We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12 today. If you have your Bibles, you can pull out your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12. Let me read the first two verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How many of you have heard these verses before? This is, this is the best. Oh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, incredible verses. This really, there's a phrase in here that can really describe the main command in all of Hebrews. The main command is to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Every other thing that Hebrews is talking to can be linked to that command, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Because the author here is writing to Jews who had believed in Jesus. They had already trusted in Jesus for salvation. They had stepped from death into life. They have gone from darkness into light. They have gone from uh, sin, living as sinners, destined for eternal hell. Then they trusted in Jesus for the grace and for the forgiveness of their sins. And then the moment that somebody trusts in Jesus, they are adopted as a child of God. They are taken from death into eternal life. But these Hebrews, the author here is saying, you have trusted in Jesus, but run the race with endurance marked out for you. Because these Hebrews, they were faced with opposition, and there was temptation, and there was distraction, and there were things that were trying to take them back to their old system. And so the author says, no, there's a better sacrifice. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. You don't have to rely on the old system. You can rely on Jesus. And he warns them in Hebrews chapter 2 about drifting. And he says uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You see, there was this temptation to be drifting away. But the Hebrews is calling them to run the race with endurance. And unfortunately, the Christian life, many people think of the Christian life as a one-time decision. Like the one time that you did decide to follow Jesus. And yes, that does begin the Christian life. But the Christian life is not just one decision. It's about many other decisions along the way. And that's why it's the command, let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. I'm not minimizing the decision. The decision is an important point. Everybody needs to make that decision. 
If you have come in here today and you don't know for sure if you are a child of God, today can be your day. Today you can call upon the name of Jesus who alone can forgive you of your sins. That's what all of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus alone can save you of your sins. So you do need to make that decision in your life where you choose to trust in Jesus. But from that time on, we are then on this race of following Jesus. And none of our races will look the same. Every one of us is different from one another. And they all require endurance. It's not easy race. It's not, it's not like, oh, you just carried through life and everything happens it's so easy from that moment in time. No, it can be really hard. I like to think of uh, the Christian life. It's similar when you decide to follow Jesus. That is a big day. But every day after that is just as big. And it's a way to reinforce the, the moment that you decided. And the way I like to think of it is like a wedding, okay, and a marriage, the wedding day is a big day, right? I mean, that is the biggest day. My daughter Hannah, she's only eight years old. She's already dreaming of the flowers that she wants and the music that she wants to walk down the aisle to. And, and I mean, you put a lot into that one day, right? But all of us who have been married for some time knows that marriage is not just about that one day. It's about a lot of decisions that either reaffirm what you committed to on that day or do not affirm what you committed to that day. Are you going to uphold the vows that you took or are you not? Are you going to live in marriage or are you going to wander away? So too, the Christian life, yes, the, the day that you trusted in Jesus is an incredible day but every day after that is a race that you are to be on. And we are called to run. And unfortunately, too many churches are, and too many, there's too many Christians in America particularly that are not running. That are not running with endurance. Yes. They trusted, but then they're doubting. Yes. They're trusting, but then they're wandering. And let me just say, along the way, sin will continue to tempt you. The moment that you trust in Jesus, that sin and the power of sin is broken. And the penalty of sin is broken. You are no longer going to spend eternal hell. You're going to spend eternal life. But sin will continue to tempt you. Because the devil cannot take from you your eternal destiny, but he's going to try to mess with your earthly life and your earthly impact. Because sin, here's, here's what sin is. Sin will ruin your life, and sin will ruin the lives of those around you. That sin is anything that is contrary to God's commands. God's commands are his loves for you. He wants to keep you from harming yourself or harming those around you. And so we're called to run this race and to not... There's two things that this, this passage calls us to. It tells us to run away from sin and wait 
and instead run towards Jesus. And you look to Jesus on this race. But we're called to run with endurance, the race marked out for you. None of our races are the same. Some of you are going through extreme hardship right now. Some of you have been through pains that I can't imagine what they're like. None of our pains are the same. All of our, our journeys are different, and they're not easy. But I'm telling you, following Jesus is the best way. My life verse, I'm, I'm so thankful that at five years old, I did choose to trust Jesus. Because my life verse is John 10, 10. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life, life to the fullest. And I've experienced that in my life. As I have followed Jesus, as I have run after Jesus, as I've run away from sin and run towards Jesus, I've experienced fullness of life. It's not always easy. There are hardships that come, but he helps you through those hardships. And it's not about how you start the race, it's about how you finish the race. Amen. And as the saying goes, any dead fish can drift downstream. It takes a live one to go up the stream. Mm -hmm. And there's way too many Christians that are drifting along in their Christian life and not running away from bad things and running towards Jesus. Run the race marked out for you with endurance. With endurance. And don't compare your race with somebody else's race. My wife says it a lot, all the time. I love it when she says this. Comparison is the thief of joy. If you compare your race with somebody else's race, and Facebook is great at doing this, you will be robbed of joy. Just take up your, you're only called to run your race. And we have some great motivation here. We have some great encouragement. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. How many of you like to be cheered on? I think running with a crowd is way easier than running individually. If there's any runners, and I've done my fair share of running, it's hard to run alone. It's way easier to run with other people. We are not called to run the Christian life alone. Don't do it. If you are struggling with something, if you are, are getting weighed down, share it with somebody else. This is why life groups are so important. This is why church is so important. Every Sunday, we get around each other and we can encourage each other. And we have a great cloud of witnesses. This is without doubt uh, pointing to Hebrews chapter 11, which we looked at the past two weeks. 21 awesome examples of people who ran with endurance, who finished their races. This is why I love taking church history classes. I took as many of them as I could in seminary. All my electives were church history because I love seeing and reading about people who went before me who finished the race who struggled with the same things that I am struggling maybe not the same exact moment and things but every there's no new sin under the sun I'll tell you that and there's no pain that somebody else has not been through 
a lot of people you feel like, oh, I'm the only one dealing with this. I'm the only one that's had a miscarriage. I'm the only one that's lost a daughter due to cancer. I'm the only one that's done, I'm the only one that's struggled with homosexuality or whatever it is, whatever pain you are in, you're not alone. That's why I love Hebrews 11 is amazing because it's a great cloud of witnesses and these people were not perfect. These people, there were murderers in there. There were thieves. There were adulterers. But you know what they did? They weren't held captive by their sin. They, weren't held, they didn't keep it secret. They confessed it. They had faith. They looked to Jesus. That is what the great cloud of witnesses are. And they cheer us on. And so we are called to run the race marked out for us with endurance. Looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. You see, he's the, he's the start of the race, and he's the one that finishes the race. He's the alpha, and he is the omega. He's the one that begins your life in this race, and he's the one that helps you bring it to completion. And so we're to look at Jesus. We're to look at Jesus and run towards him because he is the race. This race that we're running, it's not meant to be a burden. It's not meant to be a, a weight or one thing to add. He is the race. He tells you which way to go and what way to not go. And he helps you along the journey, and he helps you lay down things that you shouldn't be carrying. We're called to lay aside the weight and the sin that clings so closely. So on this race, we have sin, and we have weights that can cling really closely to us. And we're called to lay those aside. Sin is things that will hurt us and hurt those around us. And so we're called to lay those down. And too many of us in the Christian life, it's like we're trying to run with our shoes tied. We, we, we like the idea of running with Jesus. We've seen Jesus uh, work with other people, and we like the idea of it, but... We're trying to run. We also really like our sin. We want Jesus, but we also really want our sin. We, we like our money. We like our pleasures. And we're trying, we're trying to run this race, but our shoes are just tied together. And it's not keeping, I mean, like, I could run, but I'm not running as fast, right? I would hate to try to run very far with my shoes tied together. And this is the way sin is. It just tangles us up, and it hurts us, and it hurts those around us. This won't keep you, this won't send you to hell. You're already adopted as a child of God. 
And the moment that you trust in Jesus, you, you were chained before you trust in Jesus. When you choose to trust in Jesus, the power is broken. So anytime that you come, this is what's awesome about, and this is what Hebrews is all about. It's, the cross is not just a one-time thing to come to. The cross is something to come to daily. So every day you bring your sins to the cross and he untangles them again. And then when you wander off and you sin again and your shoes get tied, you just come to the cross again and you say, Jesus, forgive me. And he frees you up. And you don't have to live with it. You don't have to hide it. This is, I love it. It says sin and wait. Weights. Just thinking about what are weights. I heard, I was asking God, I heard God say weights. I heard him say pains. I heard him say curses. I heard him say shame. You know, sin is one thing, but if you're trying to live and hide it, that's a whole nother thing. Too many people come into church and it's like they get put on their best clothes and act real good and then they leave with the same stuff and their shoes are still tied. You got to break off the shame. You confess it to the Lord. You bring it to him and then he frees you up. The devil cannot take from you your eternal destiny, but he's going to try to mess with your earthly impact. And he's going to try to make you feel like you're still living in hell when really you are a child of God and you're meant to live as, as one destined for heaven. You're meant to look to Jesus. I also heard when I was asking the Lord about weights, I heard busyness, sorry, I heard curses. I just heard that there is, some of you have been so cursed as a child and even growing up, you've heard negative words told to you all the time. You're a failure. You're, you're ugly. You're never going to, you're useless. Those are weights. They were sins done to you. And God can heal those. He can take those off of you. I also heard uh, busyness. Some of us are so busy. And we try to add Jesus as one of the hundred things that we do. Americans were way too busy. And we actually, sometimes we brag, oh, I've got so much to do today. And it's like something that we're excited about. We feed off of busyness. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the greatest enemy to our spiritual life today. We're just in a constant hurry. I also heard distraction is a weight. The word, I, I was thinking about looking to Jesus. The word muse. Muse means to ponder, to gaze, and to reflect. To be in deep thought. We don't use the word muse in America. I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody say, oh, I want to muse today? It's just, now the word amuse that's used all the time in America. Amusement. We're full of being amused. 
You know what a muse is? Is ah is the prefix of muse. It means no longer musing. We can't muse. We're, we have become so amused. And uh, it, it's, it's really eating at us. And it's a weight. And these things right here, this is like big time, amuse, it's just full of amusement. We're constantly distracted. I was at the beach this past week, which is really nice. Uh, but I was out there, I'm walking down the beach, and this dad was playing with his kid, holding her, holding her up, pulling her over the waves, and she's laughing. But meanwhile, he's on his phone, looking at who knows what. And I was grieved. I thought, is really, is YouTube better than the beauty of the ocean? Is whatever's on Facebook or Instagram really better than your own child here? We are so full of amusement. We cannot muse on Jesus. And then the Lord convicted me. He said, Stephen, that's you a lot of times with me. I want to have coffee with you in the morning. I want to play with you in the morning. And yet, you're on your phone looking at the quarterback who just died or the latest Fox News uh, feed, and, and you're getting weighed down by all this stuff. I read a couple great books. One's Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge talking about just getting, putting less time on the, you know, at the end of the week, it gives you a report now of how much time you spend on these. I don't want to get to the end of my race and think about all the time I spent on here. We are meant for this. We're meant for talking. I mean, yeah, these things serve. This is not a sin. Like, I, use, I like taking pictures on here. It takes really nice pictures, and it's way better having navigation here than, like, pulling out the old maps, right? What did we do? Or picking somebody up from the airport. Like, that's really nice, right? This is not a bad thing, but it is, it is killing us. Uh, Neil Postman wrote in 1985 a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Amusing Ourselves... That was in 1985 before this. It was about technology and the detriment of that to our, to our, our, our psyche and our humanness. We are meant to live with one another and to, to live with Jesus. Here's the thing, okay? When we're called to run towards Jesus, it's not like it's another burden. It's the exact opposite. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are heavy and heavy uh, laden. If you are anxious, if you are busy, Jesus says, fix your eyes on me and I will give you rest. We're not talking about one more thing to do. Church isn't an added thing to do on Sundays. Church is a place where we can recalibrate and look at Jesus and then he instructs everything else that we do and life is a lot better for us and those around us when we look to Jesus when we run to him and so we're called to take off the sin and the the weights the shame the distractions 
the busyness of life, and we're called to look at Jesus. You see, it's a both and. Some churches, they focus just here. Some churches, it's all here. You have to, you have to recognize sin. We don't, we're not a church that ignores sin. Sin is big, but Jesus is even greater. You see, if you make less of sin, then you make less of Jesus. But if you see your sin as this, I'm so glad Jesus has revealed to me the depth of my sin. I don't look at anybody thinking that I'm better than them. I've never sat across from anybody thinking I'm a better person. I know the depth of my sin. I know that I am a wretch. But Jesus has saved me. He, my sin is this, and Jesus is this much greater. And I love running towards Jesus. Yeah. You see, we're not called to run looking back because we will fall, we will trip. You're not meant to uh, run backwards. You're meant to run towards Jesus. Yeah. See, too many Christians are like, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, and all you are are fearful. Instead of looking at Jesus, if you see how big Jesus is, how awesome he is, the little thing that you're worried about is really insignificant. Or you're thinking, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, and you're like, anxious, so anxious, so anxious, and you can't do anything, when really you need to look at Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. You need to rest. He leads you beside quiet waters. He restores your soul. So we're not just called to run away from something and run aimlessly. We're called to run towards one thing. Like David said, one thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to gaze upon his beauty. We're meant to muse. Muse on Jesus. Pursue him, and then everything else will work out. I don't know what the weight is for you. I don't know what the sins are that you're struggling with. But I tell you today, give them to Jesus. Amen. He's already forgiven them. He already knows them. You can't hide it from him. And you don't need to hide it from him. Amen. He loves you. He loved you the moment that you decided to follow him. And he loves you every moment along the way so that you can run your race and I know the races out there they're not easy some of you are going through hard stuff hard stuff some of you have been through hard stuff but I'm telling you fix your eyes on Jesus and he will help you he will bring you through it and you're called to run with endurance I loved uh, reading a story about New York City Marathon in, in marathons um it's really hilarious. At the end of the race, they go along and they pick up all this extra clothing that the runners threw off at, at the beginning of the race because oftentimes marathons are run at the, in the morning time. It's super cold, so they come with a lot of weight. But by the start of the race, they want to get rid of every extra weight that they have. In fact, marathoners now, they don't wear cotton they wear nylon because, get this, cotton is three ounces heavier than nylon. And three ounces, believe it or not, makes a huge difference in a marathon when you're running 26 miles. So they want to be as light as possible. 
Well, in uh, 2014, they collected the most amount of clothes. It was 207,000 pounds of clothes that they collected at the end of the race. I think it was all uh, donated to Goodwill, something like that. But it's just a beautiful picture of what I believe Jesus wants every Sunday to be. A time where we as believers who are on the race take off weights, we untie whatever sin is there, and we leave it behind. We don't need to walk around with weights and sin, and we don't need to try to run the race with our shoes tied. We can bring it to the cross. And so this morning, I see us bringing a lot of things to the cross. And actually, we did this, I think, three, four weeks ago. But in front of you, there's a pad of paper. And I want to invite you to take out a pad of paper and take a pen and write down any sin or weight that you are dealing with that God doesn't want you to have. And you can write it down. And in a moment, we're going to bring it forward and throw them in the trash because we don't need to leave here with it. Jesus has paid for all of our sins. He saved you from the penalty of sin and he has freed you from the power of sin. So you don't need to leave here with it. And I just want to say, some of you, you may have already written down, you can already think about that sin that you wrote down three, four weeks ago and you put in the trash but it's come back. Don't hold on to it. Oh, I guess I'm just meant to live with this forever. No. We're not meant to. He, he is a freeing God. Do you believe? I mean, the power of the gospel. He is a chain breaker. He can break every chain. Whatever weight you have whatever burdens you have, whatever curses there may be, whatever distractions, whatever busyness, leave them here, and then we want to look to Jesus. And we want to run after Jesus. We ought to be the lightest people in Lilburn. Hallelujah. We ought to be the lightest people in our workplace. And we look to Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Hey, guys. Heaven's coming. The moment that you trust in Jesus, you are a son of God, a daughter of God, and heaven is coming. No matter what hardships are along the way, look to Jesus. In the same way that Jesus looked heavenward, we can look heavenward. So that whatever oppositions and hardships are coming along, we can keep going. In the middle of the night, my son Joel was crying. <laughs> and I had anger pop up in my heart. And I wanted to yell, be quiet! Even a, a worse word was about to come up. But the Lord said to me, before I did, he said, look to me. I looked to Jesus, and that anger went away. He could have said, don't be angry, don't be angry, and I still would have probably been angry. But I was looking to Jesus, 
And it, I'm telling you, it was like the anger just went out the door. The circumstance didn't change. Joel was still crying. Yeah. He still kept me up. But I had peace in my heart. And had I have yelled, you know, what would that have done? It would have hurt him. It would have hurt others around in the house. Who knows what? But I wouldn't have been running fast, I'll tell you that. Thank you, Jesus. We, Jesus, come right now. Come right now. Show us any sin that we are to repent of, to throw in the trash. Jesus, show us any weights that we are to get rid of. Jesus, we want to look to you. We want to fix our eyes on you this morning. The beginning of our faith. Jesus, you were the only one that was perfect. You're the only one that didn't fail. Thank you, Jesus, for the perfect life you lived. I just want to give an opportunity right now. If anyone is in the room and you have not decided to follow Jesus. Maybe your race has not begun. I just want to give you an opportunity right now to trust and follow Jesus. He is the best. You can pray this prayer silently as I pray it aloud. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that he did endure the cross scorning its shame and he is exalted sitting at the right hand of the throne of God I put my trust in Jesus I decide today to follow Jesus I want to run I want to run and follow Jesus because he is the best hallelujah hallelujah let's all stand here we're going to sing uh, a song and you come and bring your sins to the front.